We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Have a huge praise report this morning. I killed two moths back in the green room. Not today, Satan, not today. I slayed that demon, both of them in Jesus' name. Um, you know, hey, it's, we're family. Let's talk about killing moths. That's great. Guys, what a great day. Really excited about what God has for us today. Really excited to actually chat with you all today about what God is doing. And we're continuing the series on the life of Paul. We're being confronted by these hallmarks in Paul's life. And we're seeing them. We saw the hallmark, hallmark of the gospel or of suffering and, and all the different aspects of, of what he, he leaned into and he, he believed in and he preached. And he, and he himself planted churches throughout Asia Minor and he established what we know today is good doctrine. He established the work of Jesus and explained it in a way that today we're reaping from it. And so today, though, it's a, it's a special day. Because we're going to base this passage off of, uh, or sorry, we're going to base this message off of Romans 13. And the reason why is because I want to share with you guys some things that God is doing in our midst and what we are believing that God is leading us into for the rest of this year and at the end of this year. Romans 13, 8, Paul's writing to the Roman church, says this, Oh, no one anything except to love each other. Can we read that together? Oh, no one anything. This, that's not helpful. <laughs> they're like, oh, watch this. Actually, they're like, I like moths. <laughs> that's what just happened. Oh, no one anything except to love each other. And this was a, a, a hallmark of Paul's life was love. It was a focus on love. And so for Paul, he was determined to remove everything out of his life that hindered him from carrying out this verse. This was part of his life. And he encouraged the church as well to remove everything out of your life that hinders you from loving one another as believers. Anything that would hinder, anything that would keep you back, anything that would distract you, get rid of it so that you can love one another. In other words, so that you can fulfill God's purpose in the church and with other believers that together you can accomplish something great. And so today, I want to share with you what for we as a church and as elders and pastors, we are believing that God has really just called us to take a step of faith. And for us as faith, we are believing that by the end of 2023, that we as a church would be debt-free completely. And I don't think it's no coincidence that debt-free in 2023 rhymes. I don't think it's any coincidence. We believe that God has led us to this place. And so I'm going to share with you guys just some some praise reports and also want to catch you up on what God is doing and where we believe God is taking us. And because we believe that scripture to be true, that the church of Jesus Christ should owe no man anything except to love one another. We believe that Jesus has paid for this, for the, for this church. He paid for this church with his own blood. And so we want to bring it into alignment with Scripture, into alignment with what we believe with all of our hearts. God is calling us and inviting us to. So many months ago, I, I chatted a little bit about where we were in our, in our debt. And some of you didn't know we had debt, and, but, and that's okay. But I just want to walk with you where we've been and why we're going to come to the place where we believe that God is, is going to move in our midst and bring us to the place of being debt-free, owing no man anything. And so we have a graph here I, I want to show you. Um, <clears throat> actually, go back to that slide. Just, go, just get, go back one slide. I love this graphic. Debt-free 2023. We're running. We're doing what God's called us to do. He's with us. The theme verse is let no debt remain outstanding except to continue debt to love one another. This is the call of God. 
God has freedom for us as a church. I believe on the other side of us leaning in and trusting him to, to work in our midst and to deliver us from debt. Amen? And that's what I believe God is doing. All right, we can go to the next one. Here we go. So in 02, we as a church uh, had 6.8 million. The worship center was built. And so uh, the, the additional loans that we took out brought us to 20 million, 600,000. Um, I know when you see that, you go, oh, right? Let's just do it together. Does everybody go, oh, all right, good. All right, got it out of the way. All right, woo. All right, here we go. <clears throat> now, the, there was a, a decision to be made by uh, how we were structured at that time. It was a, a three-person finance committee that made the decision to structure that loan in, in an interest-only uh, structure. So uh, no interest was paid off. And so uh, as we got to uh, year 2014, by 2015, the decision was made then <clears throat> to structure a conventional mortgage. So normal mortgage, you make your monthly payments and all of that. So uh, it, we've, we worked hard. Um, in 2017, as our, our kind of new structure, new leadership, as we, as we leaned into what God was doing, we believe that God didn't want his church in debt. We believe that we should do everything that we possibly could do to eliminate being in debt to man. Because the church of Jesus Christ should be free. The church of Jesus Christ should not ask um, the bank what we should do for God. Amen? Amen? We shouldn't ask the dollar. We, shouldn't, we should ask God what he wants us to do. And since he owns us, we should say, you got it. We want to jump when he says jump. We want to run when he says run. But when you're anchored or tethered to uh, a world system that, that says you can only do what we tell you to do, that, that it, it, what it does is it, it does things in your midst that you're not walking in freedom. You're not walking in the freedom that God has for you. Paul, even in Romans 13, says, oh, no one anything except to love one another. In other words, when you owe others something that hinders you from fulfilling the love one another. And so the church should be free. The church should be dreaming. The church should be the example. The church should be a witness that our God is big and he is in our midst. It should be. <clears throat> but when you partner with man, Sometimes that limits that. And so we worked hard. We started in 2017 working really hard. We, we cut lean as a staff. We pulled back. We began paying our, uh, these, these loans. We also, additional things were given. Matter of fact, God just even in, in, our, in, our, in our heart's commitment to, to follow the Lord, we, people gave additionally to the principle of loans. And I hadn't ever told anybody yet. But something you guys need to know that I'm so proud of us as, as a leadership team. In 2017, as we were praying about um, what God was leading us, where he was leading us to go, um, we had a moment and we, re we recognized that, that God did not want us to be in debt. And so in one of our, our board meetings, our elders meetings, we together, after a season of prayer and fasting, we prayed. And we asked the Lord to forgive us for looking to the arm of man to meet our needs, that he's our supplier, he's Jehovah Jireh, he's the one that we look to. And so we realigned ourselves under what we believe the scriptures support. We asked God to, to come and remove from us this debt. We asked him to show us how to do that. And we said, Lord, this is your church. We recommitted this church to the Lord. And as you guys know, from the very beginning, from day one, I stood up here and I said, just as a reminder, this is not my church. This is not the elders' church. This church belongs to Jesus. From day one. And so, as the, the board, which are our elders, myself, our other pastoral staff, we, we just, we recognize that, that God wants to do something fresh and new. And so, we as we committed and realigned things in our, in our church and financially that we want to owe no man anything, we began to just lean in and trust God. We began to pay off this debt. We began to do everything we could we, as a step of faith. And by the grace of God, over, over a few years, we've been able to pay off 
right around $5 million as we have, we have done that. And we thank God for that. So 2022, we're sitting at $14 million, But there's a, there was a real reality that God had called us to be out of debt, called us to be debt-free. And so as we were wrestling with, with this and, and asking God to move in our midst and really talking about, hey, when's a good time to come to the congregation? Because uh, we, we wanted to, to, to come to the congregation. I was praying about, Lord, uh, we need to do this together. We need to pray together. We need to believe that, that you're going to move in our midst because we as a, as, a, as a leadership knew that God wanted us out of, out of debt. Well, this isn't something God just wants to do isolated with us. This is, this is a we thing. This is a family thing. This is a, a church thing. And so we wanted for all of us to be a part of that. And so as the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, you know, we were thinking, okay, I think it's time. I think this is the year to start talking about this. And then 2020 happened, right? Um, we, I, you know, we just felt like it wouldn't be best. Hey, while the world's flipped upside down, hey, let's throw 20 million on top of it. Here you go. You know, we, we wanted, we just realized, no, we need to, we need to pull back on that aspect and lean into where the immediate need was at the time. And, and I'm proud of us, we did that. And we fed, we fed people in our community hundreds of thousands of pounds of food and we served one another and we served the needy and we served those who were shut-ins and we, and I mean, you, we stepped up, it was awesome. And I'm so proud of that. And so it, was, it wasn't time. So as we, as we continued and got into 2021, um, it was like, okay, Lord, we're still getting out of COVID 2022. We just felt like, I think God is, is, is bringing this back to us, that he wants to do something. And so um, <clears throat> not knowing all the things that are in front of us, in, uh, in September, um, in September 22, I shared this with um, our staff, our campus staff. And so in our campus meeting, which we have every other Tuesday, is our, our pastors and our department heads that lead here uh, in the ministry. And so we meet together to pray together. We meet to talk about, hey, what is God doing? And make sure the, you know, the right hand knows what the left hand's doing. So, um, you know, we can continue to do what God's called us to do. Uh, at this meeting, though, <clears throat> I, I felt I needed to share it, share this aspect of where we are in our debt. And so, um, you know, we were looking at, at 14 million at the time, 14.6. And so I just shared it with, with, with our staff, our pastoral leaders. And in that meeting, it was... It, we made a decision, we're not going to ask anybody to do anything that we're not doing, that we're not leading ourselves, that we're not giving to. And so in that meeting, we all prayed about what God would want us to do towards the debt. And so in that meeting, we as a staff gave, uh, as a ministry staff and department heads gave 15000 in that meeting to go towards this debt, just as the initial seat of faith, just to believe that God's the God that honors faith, right? God's the God that actually invites us to do things that we're like, yeah, but what's that going to do? It doesn't matter. God can take anything from us as a step of faith and do something miraculous that we, we were, so that we stand back and go, I had a little part in that, but look what God did. Amen. God, God never does anything alone. He always invites us to be a part of the journey. So we did that, um, not knowing that uh, other things were going to come from that. And so, um, interesting enough, though, of the 15,000, it was one-tenth of one percent. So there's a still a tenth in there that we, we, we felt like, God, I, this is a seed of faith. And so as we were leaning into uh, continue to go on this and figure this out, <clears throat> The way our conventional loans were structured is one of the loans was going to be due in June of this year. And so for us as, as the board, we, we, we really believe God wanted us out of debt. So when something is a time of transition, it's always a time of evaluation. So we evaluated, all right, what do we want to do? God, how do you want us to, to move forward? And, and we, were, we were making decisions from this from what we believe that God wanted us to untether from debt and to be free, to be free. And so we, as we were looking at the different aspects of, on, of what to do, um, the loan was due in June. And so we looked at, okay, we can, we can refinance. If God, if that's what you're telling us to do, 
We could raise money. We put all the options. We could raise money, and we could ask, you know, uh, people at the school and people here. But to ask the people at the school and, and those who go, that, that this, isn't their, this isn't their debt. It's, our church, it's the church's debt. This is, I'm, I, I wasn't going to ask people who don't go to our church to pay a debt that should have been paid already. And so there was that sense of like, oh, Lord, what do we want to do? And we just came to the clarity that, that God wants us to be out of debt. So we're going to trust and wait for him. So it's in that context that, that we made a decision that we were going to close the high school and we were going to sell the property. And so we made that decision. We prayed about it. We fasted about it. We, we talked about it. We, we, we spent great time. And we felt like that's, the, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to take the step and he wants us to, to, to close the high school and sell the property because we were, we're chasing after the obedience of God. We're not chasing, we're not asking God to chase after us. We're, we are going to follow him. He is the leader of the church. We're going to follow him. He, what he says we do. And so we made that decision, which is always hard, and, um, and it was a change and, you know, probably hit people in different ways. But um, the reality is we, we were doing our best to honor the Lord. And so we made that decision that we were going to close the, close the school and sell the property. And so we come to the place today that, uh, that we, we have over, over seven years just from um, 20, yeah, over, yeah, right over seven years we're looking at, we've went from $20 million in debt all the way down. There's only $3 million remaining, awesome. which is amazing. It's amazing. There's only three million. And we believe that God has spoken to us to trust him and to lean in so that we as a church could be free. That we can be free from anything that man would have against us or at all. We would have no obligation to man except to love. And so for us, we, we just, we're excited about where we are. We're excited about what God is doing. And so with this, it is, it is our heart and our passion that God would lead us and be with us to be debt-free by the end of 2023, that we would owe no man. So no matter what, no matter what happens in the economy, no matter what happens um, in, in politics, no matter if someone tries to say, oh, you can't have your 501c3 because you preach this and you preach the Bible, it doesn't matter. We owe no man nothing. We only owe Jesus. <clears throat> And so there's this reality for, for the church of Jesus Christ that Proverbs speaks clearly to this, that the borrower is a slave to the lender. That we, we understand, that's what the Bible says. Well, if we're, if we're the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, we got an issue then. That the Lord wants us to be free. And then also, as we look to the future, there's a proverb that speaks about the righteous man. And if we put that, that passage up about the, about the righteous, where a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. A good man leaves an inheritance. So as also as an obligation to be a good people, a good church, we want to set our gener this next generation up to succeed and fly and go places that we couldn't go, amen? This is part of the, the journey of God's kingdom. And so we are at a place now that God is, is leading us and bringing us to be free. And I am so excited. Now, let me ask you guys something. Do you believe that God can pay off $3 million? All right, that's some of us, Australia. Do you believe that God can, can pay off $3 million? So <clears throat> there is always a partnership with God when it comes to what he's doing. God, we believe God is going to bring us out of debt, but he's inviting us to be a part of that blessing. He's inviting us to ride on his, his coattails into the place of deliverance that all of us are going to be able to, to benefit from. He's inviting us to the place that we can dream with him. We can look to our city. We can look to our nation. We can look to, to the state and say, God, what do you want us to do? 
in the name of you, Jesus. What do you want us to do in the nations? What do you want us to do to serve our people better and to raise up young people and families and invest into our children's ministry? And God, whatever you want, we're, we are on board. We're not asking any, any other man except for you. And so we believe that this is what God is doing. Now, part of it for me is this, is I, there are things that God is doing that we can partner with him or we can stand back and watch. We can be a part of the miracle or we can stand back and, and watch the miracle happen. But part of this is I believe that God is inviting us to be a part of what he's going to do. And when you become, come into alignment with what God's already doing, you begin to reap a blessing in your life from God himself because you are aligning yourself with him. So as we are leaning into this, I wanted to give you all this opportunity that we together, by the grace of God, by the people of God, can partner with God and lead us and bring us to the place by the end of 2023 that we would totally be debt-free. Now, this giving, this means we're going to take steps of faith. This means that we're going we're, we're to take something that you go, but this is insignificant to three million. But let me ask you this. What if the boy of two fish and five loaves would have said that? You see... God is not limited by our limitation. But whatever you put into his hands, you become a part of the miracle, but he's the one who does it. Amen? And so each one of us can be a part of this miracle that, that, that we're like, wow, I can't believe what God did with what I gave. Now, part of this giving that, that I'm going to share with you in just a moment, it's... it's it's above and beyond our normal tithe. The tithe of a believer is a part of what we do. We give as unto God a tenth of what we have. Jesus said, when they were looking at the coin, they said, well, hey, what are you going to do? Are you going to pay Caesar? God, what are you going to do? He says, well, look at it. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God's what is what? God's. So he was speaking at the time of the tithe. So there is still a, a, an act of worship that we give the tithe to the house of God, to where God has called it as an act of worship, and he receives it, and that reaps a blessing in our life. But what I'm at asking and talking about is above and beyond the tithe. We're talking faith. Above and beyond what God would, what, what you would normally do in tithe, above and beyond that to pay down the debt. And so couple of things I want you to know that every dime of the sale of Car Street went to pay off debt. Every dime. Every part of it. And the reason is because we are obeying God. So we are everything right now is about us partnering with him to obey him. So every dime, every bit of it. It wasn't anything set aside. To, no, we, everything went to debt. And so as we lean into this, I want to invite you into what God would have for us as a church. I'm gonna invite you into being a part of what God would do. And so, um, as of right now, we're gonna to continue to do this through the end of the year and celebrate. I'm believing at the end of the year, we can just celebrate the grace of God and what he has done for us. And so, these are some ways that, that you can give to this and give directly designated giving to the debt. And so there, there is a, a QR code. Of course, you can give through cash. You would need to put on there debt-free. Um, you can give by check. You can do the same. You can do it in the boxes. You can also go online. And when you go online, there's a, a pop-up on our front thing. It says debt-free 2023. So you can click on that and you can give through that as well as, as, you would, as God would lead you. But friends, I'm so excited about what God has for us. I'm so excited that, see, when, when, when there is a... Um, when God's church, there is, there's a, um, an authority reality. There's a spiritual principle that when God owns all of you, you get to reap the benefits of all of God. And I'm believing that as we, by faith, set our faces to the obedience of God as a church... As we set our faces to the scriptures that we want to leave an inheritance for our generation's generation. As we set our faith and face 
to step out and to give what we're believing God to do something great with, that God's going to meet us as a church. We're going to see the spiritual temperature of who we are rise. I believe it. And I'm just asking you and inviting you to begin to pray about what God would have you to give. Now, I'm going to give an update the beginning, the first Sunday of every month, with also a follow-up email, just to, for progress so we can celebrate what's happening. Just from our volunteer pre-service, we've already had people give, or had people commit. And part of us as a, as, as a board, as we were talking through this, you know, it's like, okay, do we do pledges? Do we? And we said, no, we're... I, we, we, we don't want to do pledges because we don't want to burden our people with pledges. We just want them to give as a free will offering unto God as God would lead them. And friends, I believe that's enough. And I believe as you give, God can take whatever that is and he can multiply it and he can do greater things than you ever thought possible. And that you get to be a part of what God's going to do. Amen? Can we just give God a hand for all he's doing right now. Amen. And so I want to lay that before you as my church family, excited for what God has, and I look forward to celebrating God's faithfulness together. So every one of us, ask God what he wants you to give and take that step, and it's going to be great. I mean, this, this idea for Paul as he ministered was he untethered himself from anything that would be a distraction. And he preached the gospel and he shared. And this aspect of loving one another was so important. And he wrote it. It showed up in actually every one, of his, every one of his books that he was writing. It's about loving one another. It showed up in all these things. So I, I want to share with you just a couple thoughts about what it means to not only to, to owe no man anything, but to invest then into love. Jesus said this. Out of John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is, again, I, this whole message is not about debt, but this is one of, one of the, the things for us as the pastors and elders here. We're like, you know, I, we, we don't want anything to distract us from what God's called us to do. And we recognize this has been a distraction, and we're going to lean into this. But, but I want you to, to look at this. By, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This love is an anchoring theme of what Paul's teaching was all about. Even in Romans, as he's talking about his fellow countrymen, the Jews, that that had rejected Jesus as the Messiah, he, he, he was burdened so much. He said, I wish I could become accursed in their place so that they could have salvation. He loved deeply. But it was, it was the love for people and the love to share the gospel with the broken and the hurting like you and I. It was that love that came from his love for God that drove him to be the man that he was. That drove him. This is actually to, to love one another or love people is one of the, the core values for us as a church. If you're going to serve on our staff or serve as one of our volunteers or serve as in uh, every aspect, this is one of the things that, that you have to agree with, that you would love people. How many know this, that God is in the business of people? Okay, he's, he's, not in the, he's in the business of people. His heart is about people. For God so loved the world, people, that he gave his son. And so we know this, that in, in loving one another, there can be some things that can be difficult. But I, I, I want to point out to you, and I'll, I'll just, I, <clears throat> and I'll come back to it in just a moment, that a new commandment, John 13, Jesus says, I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So he's speaking to the disciples. He's speaking to believer to believer. That's what he's speaking to. And so Jesus says this, your love for other believers, I want you to catch that, your love for other believers will be a witness that you are my disciples. 
Now this is, this is really important because a lot of people, a lot of people miss this. This very important point because loving and the things of Scripture in our lives, prioritizing them matters. So you have love one another. Okay, what does that mean? Because we, there is, a, there is a, a confusion today in the local church that love one another is just everybody. That's who Jesus was speaking to. Now, there are places the Scripture speaks to that, but this Scripture is quoted often about love for one another. Well, see, I'm a disciple. Say, I love people. But this, the context of that statement was about loving other believers. And so the question is, what, what if I don't love other believers? What if, okay, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to love, I'm, I'm going I'm to allow love to flow through one of my passions. And, and that's, how, that's how the world is going to, to hear about Jesus. Because it's going to flow through the love of, of my passion. And so many people think what matters most to them will be the greatest witness to the world around them when they love through that avenue, through that context, what they're most passionate about. And they will then love people in that manner. But Jesus said, and Paul said, it's your love for one another as believers to be second on the list of your priorities. First, love God. Next, love people. Love God and love people. Maybe this is going to be challenging to, to some of us today because where we have difficulties in loving people in our own church, we then just say, I know that scripture says that, but I'm just going to go love people who aren't believers first before I love other believers or people in my church. So you have to understand the witness that Jesus was talking about to the world was about the church looking different in our relationships with one another than the world. That there was a, there was a, a looking into the church, into believers that, that people who don't know God say, why are they different in their relationships? Why are they able to work through conflict? Why are they able to have difficult conversations and not hate each other afterwards and they actually like hang out? Well, that's different. And when you do that, it's a, it's a proof that Jesus is the one you follow. Paul wrote this in Galatians Six, and we don't have the, the verse, but he's writing to the church. He says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Okay, so now listen to this. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who were of the household of faith. There is a priority of loving others. As the family of God, there is a, there is a responsibility to exercise your love with other believers first, then to the rest of the world. And I understand you can do all at the same time. I get that. I get that. But there should be a priority. Jesus said, by your love for one another, believers, the world will know that you're my disciples. Paul says, do good to everyone, but especially, especially those who are at the household of faith. I like that our church is in Scripture. That's great. The household of faith. So this, this idea of love, it's interesting 
that there's, I'll say this, it's interesting that our, 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 our life of church and Christianity, there's a lot of broken relationships within the church. There's a lot of offense in the church. There's a lot of anger in the church. There's a lot of, I can't stand those people at the church. There's a lot of, I used to go there, but then this happened. There's a lot of that. And if you know anything about love, you recognize that um, love isn't always an emotion, is it? (laughs) I've said this before, but it's funny, so I'll say it again. (laughs) The president of my Bible college, who, you know, when you're, you've got hundreds of young adults going to the school you know, to serve God, and there's a lot of relationships that birth, a.k.a. my wife, right, right there. But he said, he said, you know, he goes, I don't, I don't understand these young people. He said, they, they're like, yeah, but I, I love them. When I'm around them, I can't breathe. When I'm around them, I, I see stars. He goes, I just tell them, listen, you get the same effect if a donkey kicks you in the head, but it doesn't mean it's love. <laughs> And parents, you can use that one. Hallelujah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> but love is more than an emotion. It, it, now, love affects emotions. Love creates emotions. Love causes emotions. But love is not an emotion. If it was, you could control it. You could manipulate it. But the reality is, love is a choice. It's a decision of your will to love. It's a decision to say, I'm choosing to love. Now, think about God's relationship with you. Were you lovable? (laughs) When he looked at you, he's like, wow, I just can't help but love. (laughs) When you were rebelling and running from him and you, you weren't lovable. You didn't look lovable. But you know what God said? I choose to love. I choose. The fact is this, that love is a choice. And Jesus is saying, when you choose to love one another, when you choose that, it will tell the world that you're my disciples. The fact is, all of us can grow in how we love. All of us can make a choice on loving. All of us can show grace when someone isn't lovable, excuse me, likable. We will make a choice, I'm still going to love you. If you're married, maybe you've said things like this, I don't like you right now, but I do love you. It's a choice. All of us can grow in love. Now, I want you to listen to what love looks like in context to being between other believers, other believers, people who put their faith in Christ, other believers, other believers. Because I, I, this is what I believe today. God wants to actually correct some deception in the church that has brought forth confusion. Not today, Satan. Get away. (laughs) If you're online, a moth just flew by. So we're good. But I want you to listen to what love looks like. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Do we have that up? We have it up, right? Yeah, let's go to um, 13 verse 4. So love is patient. Amen. See how patient I was? You're doing great. You're fine. Hey, can we thank our team back there that 
We love you. And just so you know, I have blown up all the notes that I gave to them. So this is, this is not me. So 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. Let's read this together because you guys like doing that. <laughs> love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. This was written to believers. This is the model of their relationship with one another. Now, here's what I believe God wants to clarify. We do live in a day when this truth has been flipped upside down and been applied to unbelievers and has not been obeyed as it comes to believers. Meaning, believers apply this more to those who don't know Jesus than, than to their family and the faith that Paul was talking about. He says, especially those of the family of the faith. We say, especially those who don't know Jesus, but I can't stand those people in the faith. There's no, there's no coincidence that Satan has deceived the church in this aspect. Why? Because Jesus said, the world will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. So Satan says, I don't want them to know that. So I'm going to hijack this truth and flip it on its head and apply it to where it never was meant to be applied. Now, there are principles here that, yes, you're believers, therefore you're going, to, you're, going to, you're going to bear the fruit of the Spirit. But this first priority, first priority, is to be to believers. So many people fall underneath this deception of being unloving towards other believers. And being tempted by the enemy to pick up offenses and bitterness. And believing that this is not first priority. But when you believe this is God's first priority in which Scripture speaks to, the Old and the New Testament, that you were to apply this reality to the church, to other believers, before you would apply it to the world and to the people who don't know Jesus. Are you to be a witness? Absolutely. So don't hear what I'm not saying. But many people use this as, as an excuse to say, I am loving. And the people in the world who don't know Jesus will know that I'm a disciple of Jesus because of my love for them. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, because of your love for one another. And so there is a deception that has made its way into the church that where believers criticize other believers. Believers are not patient or kind with one another. If someone is successful in the body of believers, they despise them for it and say, they, ought to, they have all that money, they ought to give it away to God. But it's in the world, they're like, man, that's awesome. That's what hard work will do for you. When this is flipped on its head, believers out of our pride don't celebrate when someone else is blessed by God. We despise it. But when, when someone does something great in the world, we cheer for it. Even if you were to go back in this passage, it says that love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. So I want you to think about that for a moment. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always 
perseveres. But think about love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. There are believers today that criticize and hate on believers who believe the Bible in regards to all the different things within our culture of marriage and sex and gender and um, every aspect. They will hate on believers who actually just speak the truth, but they will delight in evil in the world. They'll fly the rainbow flag, which belongs to God's covenant anyway, but they'll fly it to celebrate homosexuality. But they will criticize the church for standing on truth. And they'll say, I'm a disciple of Jesus because I love. But the reality is this. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. So that's what love looks like. So the enemy has deceived, and, and what, I, what I believe about where we're going in the future, we need to get this right within our own midst. That we need to put believers on the especially list is what Paul talked about, that we would show love to them. That we as a church would demonstrate love to one another that would tell the world that our Savior is the real deal. And so when people have this flipped upside down, they dishonor people in their church. They talk bad about them to unbelieving friends. They dishonor pastors or leaders or church as a whole. They don't protect. They don't trust. They live in a world of suspicion and they give up so easily. And they justify all of that because they say, see, I'm loving. I'm loving people who are not a part of the family of faith. Therefore, I'm good. I'm not saying you don't love. I'm saying first priority. And because Jesus said the world will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another, the enemy has hijacked this truth. The church has been seduced by a humanistic, secular world. And we say the world will know that you're Jesus' disciples by your love towards them. But that's not what the Bible says. So love is a choice. And I want you to notice that every one of these is a choice. It's an act of your will. It's an act of your will. It's not a feeling, it's a choice. The Bible doesn't say love is a warm feeling. Doesn't say love is an overwhelming emotion to do something or love makes you humble. No, the Bible tells us that loving one another as believers is a choice. And when we prioritize it between each other, it tells the world that we are Christ's disciples. It tells the world that our church follows Jesus and no one else. And when their lives are hurting and broken, they look to the church who has been our commitment and choice to love one another looks so different than the world that they go, I want what you've got because my life isn't working. Love does not force you. It doesn't trick you. It doesn't, it doesn't push you into something. It's a choice. And so God calls us to make a choice to love. We don't fall out of love for one another. We choose not to love one another anymore. It's a choice. When you wake in the morning, it's not about a feeling, it's about a choice. When I don't feel like it, my actions are going to be love.
If it's truth, I'm going to celebrate it. If it's a lie, I'm going to reject it. An expression of love isn't from a feeling. It's from seeing the other person the way that God sees them. And so I choose to love you because you're my fellow believer. This is a choice to love. In spite of your feelings, you love. I'll tell you this. It's easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. I'll say that again. It's easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. And as believers, we are to love one another. Our words are to be loving. Our actions are to be patient and kind. What God calls us to be is to align with this is what love looks looks like. And so the challenge from Paul and the challenge to us in this new season is who were you loving second? You love God, but have you stopped loving family and the faith? Have you given up because the enemy has come in and deceived your soul or your heart towards other believers? Is the narrative of other believers in your life riddled with everything that they've done wrong? Or is it filled with, yeah, things were done wrong, but let me tell you about all these great relationships that I've had with other believers. Do you criticize the church or other believers in front of non-believers? That's about as healthy as complaining about your spouse to your mother or father in front of them. Never turns out good. So friends, God is calling us as a church to love. God is calling us to double down on what it means to be a church that loves one another. A church that's committed to one another. A church that finds a priority with one another. And from that, we shout to the world, Jesus is the one that we follow. And from that, we see what God is doing in our midst. And so that's the challenge today. And that two-part idea that God wanted, one, to expose the deception in the church, that somehow we don't have to love people in the church, as long as we're love, loving people who don't know Jesus, then we're good. Because that's we would, we would say that was God's heart. He loved them. Yes, he did. But his first priority was his disciples. He invested into them. He loved them. He was with them. And then he gave them all authority to go and do what they were called to do. And so, friends... The second part is I believe that God wants to rekindle the original idea about choosing to love one another as believers. That means in your family, that means in your marriage, that means with your children, that means in your small group, that means to your pastor, that means to the people that call this their home. May we make a choice to love one another. And may we understand that love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And may we, as a family of faith, be the safest place for us to gather and encourage one another in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for your um, hand on us. 
Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Lord, I want to thank you for your word that rightly divides between truth and a lie, between our soul and our flesh. And Lord, today we allow it to do the surgery that's needed. Lord, today I just want to corporately repent that, Lord, we have not always made loving one another a priority. So today, God, I ask that you would cleanse us, remove the lies that we believed. And Lord, may today, may we make a decision, I'm going to love the people in my church. I commit as a choice to love them, to be patient, to be kind, to serve them, to go out of my way, to be there for them, to speak truth to them to celebrate when good things happen to them. To not be suspicious all the time, but to trust. Not to be prideful about the things that are all about me. But Lord, to humble myself. And Lord, today I ask you that you would let that spirit of love be in our midst as a church. We make a choice. Like you chose to love us, we choose to love each other. And Lord, from this day forward, may that choice reign supreme and may we be a testimony to the world that we are your disciples. May we, because of our love for one another, be a testimony to the world that you are who you said you are. And they can see that evidence in our midst on how we love. Lord, today we pray for the other believers in this city, the other churches that are part of your kingdom that preach your word and preach your truth. Lord, we pray that you would unite their hearts together, that, Lord, we would love one another that we would stand for truth together that this city belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, today may we apply and choose to love so that our city, our state, our nation, and our world knows that you are at the center of us. And Lord, today we thank you for what you're doing. God, I also pray that you would remove any bitterness and unforgiveness that has come into our hearts as we've navigated difficult things in relationships with other believers and we've come to, to conclusions that it's just crazy Christians. I can't stand them anymore. Lord, may you soften and warm our hearts to fight for love. And God... May we put you at the center, the one who defines what love is and what it is not. Lord, forgive the church for delighting in evil in our city and in our state. Forgive us for misrepresenting what love really is. And from this day forward, we choose your priorities, not what is easy, but your priorities. And so, Lord, may you knit our hearts together. May we see you move mightily in our midst. Lord, we're grateful for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. Amen, amen. Let's all stand. I'm going to pray for you and bless you today. Friends, love one another. Turn and tell somebody, you better love me. Just tell them, you better love me. Make a choice. Listen, may you and your family pray about what God has you to do to partner with him and to align with what he's doing in your life. But friends, we're also going to celebrate deliverance from debt in 2023. That's what we're believing. And God can do it. Amen. Amen. All right. Raise your hands. Let me bless you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless your people. Strengthen them. Anoint them with the power of the Holy Spirit. 
God, may you prosper them and lead them. And God, in these days ahead, lead us in gr by great faith to demonstrate what it means to follow you. And Lord, as we leave here today, may we be lights in the midst of darkness, salt in the midst of a world that's dying for something that is real life. Lord, may you heal marriages and set people free in the name of Jesus. And may we, we just want to thank you, God, for what you're going to do this year, that you're going to deliver us from debt, and we're going to owe no man except to love one another. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.